My name is Jen. I'm one of the leaders here, and it's great to extend my welcome to you this morning, whether you're joining us in the building with your faces half covered, so I can just see your eyes. Give me your expressive, give me your best expressive eyebrow movements this morning. Very good. Yeah. What about in the balcony? Yeah? Some good expressive eyebrow movement going up there. <laughs> just to make sure you're awake, that's all. Um, and those of you on Zoom, it's, I extend my welcome to you as well. It's fantastic having you join us this morning. Matt has sort of already alluded, I think, to what I want to be speaking about today, and that is how we respond to news. How do we respond to news? So over the next few weeks, as we come up, lead up to Christmas, our, our sort of Advent series, really, if you like, is Have I Got News For You? Yeah. So from the um, remark, the comments there, there are a few chuckles. I gather that most of you may be familiar with the TV series. Have I got news for you? Yeah? Do you know the, you know the TV series? It, ta- it takes a very cynical look at the news, doesn't it? <laughs> it takes a very cynical look at the news. And I think that certainly from my upbringing in this country, that often is my approach when I hear news. When someone comes to me and says, have I got news for you? I think, oh, here we go again. It's just going to be some nonsense. It's going to be some sort of rubbish. And we, we, can, we can approach how we respond to news from our culture and our background in a way that can distort how we listen to news and can distort how we respond to news. Now, there's been a lot of bad news recently, hasn't there? You know, this time last year, We were expecting maybe we could spend Christmas together as a family. And we turned on our TV and the government briefing said, have I got news for you? We're going to cancel Christmas. And I remember thinking, oh no, we were supposed to be going and spending Christmas with my family. They had all the food. We had no food. That wasn't particularly good news. And we're in the same position, it seems, again, this year, aren't we? It's like <clears throat> beginning of December, we sort of felt a bit hopeful that this, is, this year was going to be different. And then we saw this week the government come again and announce, have I got news for you? We've got a new variant. Have I got news for you? This is going to maybe change again what, the way we're going to have to live. And... Some of us have had even worse news, maybe over this past year. I don't know if you saw on the BBC News channel that um, in America, this company got people on Zoom, about 900 people. And the person who's got them all together said, have I got news for you? If you're on this call today, you're all fired. I don't know if you picked up that story. What a terrible thing to do. You know, the... Fortunately, he has apologised now. But what a terrible thing to do. Get people together and say, if I've got news for you, you're all fired. Just like that, via Zoom. If you're on this call, by the way, you're fired. Have I got news for you? Maybe you're applying for a visa or asylum. You know, you're t- on tenterhooks, aren't you, waiting for news? whether you're able to stay or not to stay. In that that period, you're in limbo, waiting for that announcement that, have I got news for you? 
That may be, yes, you, your asylum has been granted. Your visa has been granted. It may be that actually it's not. Your asylum's not been granted. We're going to have to change the way you do things, the way you live. And maybe some of us of this year have faced difficult medical news. You maybe have had tests and you've had to go into the doctor's office and the doctor goes, I've got news for you. And that news may not have been good news. That news may have been that you have got a life-changing disease. Something that will impact on how you may live for a certain period of time, however long that time may be. And we're all faced with news every day, aren't we? We're faced with these challenges. We're faced with this news. And Matt alludes to that passage in Isaiah which talks about when we face these difficulties, when we face all these challenges, what is it we look to? Who do we listen to? Where are we taking our encouragement from? Where are we taking our guidance from? Do we trust the people who are telling us what we should do? Because isn't it, with, you know, with the, the whole new, the Omicron, um, um, Omicron, how do you pronounce this? Who's the Greek scholar among us? And he's a Greek scholar. It's Omicron, I think. <laughs> Omicron. But um, who, whoever's telling us this news, unfortunately, we've also seen other news, haven't we? About how allegedly the government has behaved during lockdown last year. And it undermines authority. It undermines the person who's telling us the news. And so I think when we, when we hear news, particularly when it can be bad news, we, can, we approach it with a, often with our cultural background to say, how am I going to respond? As I mentioned, Have I Got News For You talks about a cynical approach often to news. And I find that often that can be my approach if I'm not careful. I can be very cynical about what I hear. But also our culture can determine how we respond and how we behave and respond to news that we hear. I think we live in a very consumerist society that puts me at the centre of things. That's our culture, I think, in this country. Choice is, choice is everything, and I make the choice. And what that does, that puts me at the centre of things. That puts me at the centre of how I respond. So you can't tell me what to do. I respond in the way I want to respond. You can't tell me what to do. You don't know my background. You don't know what I've been through. You can't tell me what to do. And that can be our response when we hear news or how we respond to news, how we're instructed to respond to news. Our pride can come in, can't it? Our pride. Pride is a, is a terrible thing. It can really stop us listening to good advice. It can really stop us listening to, to, <clears throat> to things that will help shape and change the way we can live in a better way. We can really, our pride can get in the way. And when it comes to listening to God, I think the same things apply. Our pride can get in the way. I'm not going to listen to what the Bible says. Because actually, I'm hearing stories and my background, my culture says that it's okay. It's okay to do this. It's okay to do that. So when the Bible says something different, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm going to go off on my own. Because I don't want to listen to what you have to say. 
So often it's all this bad news we have. But then there's also good news, isn't there? There's also good news. And we sometimes can also respond in the same way to good news, the same way we respond to bad news. We don't want to listen to it. We can be cynical. We can say, oh, no, that's not really true. You know, all those emails and stuff and the spam and the <clears throat> things that you get on your ever social media you can be exposed to, the scams that are there, they all start with supposedly good news. Good news. Have I got news for you? You've won a token. Have I got good news for you? You've won a car. If I got good news for you, there's $180,000 waiting to be claimed by you in this account. And we know that often those are, are scams. And so we, we approach again with our cynical response to even, even really true good news. <coughs> and this is, this, is where, <coughs> this is where we find, I think, the story of Christmas comes in. The Israelites had, had been in a period, really, of bad news. They'd had such bad news. They, they were under an oppressive regime that was dictating how they should live and what they should do. And what was about to happen, they were told even where they had to go to register for a census. They were under that much control. The Roman government said, we've got news for you. You need to go and register so we can count you. And you need to go back to your hometown to be counted. So people had to move in response to a government dictate. They had to go to another place to be counted. <clears throat> and the, and the, but the Christmas story is full of announcements of news. It's full of announcements of, of, of different types of news, of good news to the world. But when we see it, people respond in different ways. <clears throat> Just as we respond to news, people responded with different views of the good news that God is coming into the world. Some didn't want to believe it because it threatened the way they lived. They thought, oh, this is going to be a big challenge to how I live, to how I, I live my life, to what I do, to what I eat, to the way I conduct myself, to the way I dress, the way I can speak to people, to who is de designated as God's, God's people going to even change that I, I lose my position as as the special person that god has chosen because god is coming to change it come to change the way we we live come to change the way we respond to him and that challenged my culture the israelites were thinking some of them some of them responded with violence said, it's no good remember herod he, he when he heard the news that a king was being born he he said I'm going to dictate that every child under the year of two must be murdered, every male child. Because this pose is such a threat to me. This isn't good news to me, this is bad news. But then there are others who respond in faith. And as they respond in faith, they hear God's voice. And they say, I'm going to listen to God. I'm not going to listen to what my culture says. I'm not going to listen to what my pride says. I'm not going to listen <coughs> to what my family might say. I'm going to listen to what God says. I'm going to build faith. And as I build faith, I'm going to be faithful to what God says. So when we listen to news, have I got news for you? Are we going to respond 
by building faith in what God says? Are we going to respond by listening to what God says and putting into practice what he says by being faithful? And so all this, the Christmas Advent story, these announcements of this good news, it starts with an ordinary young couple. It starts with an ordinary young couple. A couple who are just starting out in life together. They may be looking forward to a new home together. And they heard some life-changing, shattering news that was going to bring about a change for all of them. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. I always want to focus on Joseph in this couple. This couple is Mary and Joseph. The the Christmas story, the Christmas announcement starts with them. And this is from Matthew chapter chapter 1, from verse 18. It says this, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. And before they came together... That means before they slept together, they had sex together. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because, her, 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 because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public grace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. Here's Joseph. Life is looking pretty good for Joseph. He's probably got a bit of a good career ahead of him. He's probably an apprentice to his father, maybe he's a carpenter. He's got a good job, got a good career ahead of him. His family is probably held in quite high regard because it turns out he's of the line of of King David. He can trace his ancestry back to what is someone who's known as probably the greatest king in the history of Israel. That program, Who Do You Say You Are? Is it Who Do You Say You Are? Can't remember if that's the right title. Yeah. Uh, Who are you? I can't remember. (laughs) Where, Where you trace your lineage back. I was talking to someone last night and they said someone on that program traced their lineage back to one of the kings in the 1400s by two branches of their family. It's quite impressive, isn't it? This is Joseph. He could trace his lineage back to King David. So his family would have been held in quite high regard within the nation and the tribe of Israel. So he's got a good reputation, but he's got a good career. Hey, he's got a pretty good girlfriend. Got a fiance, looking to get married. Life is looking pretty good. Mary is also from a pretty good line, maybe right back to Levi, the priesthood. She's got links to the priesthood of Israel. So it's a pretty good union of marriage. You've got lineage to the King David. Got lineage to the priesthood. 
Match made in heaven. Match made in heaven. So life is looking pretty rosy, isn't it, for Joseph? He's faithful to his culture and upbringing, it says. It's in that passage that he was faithful to the law. So he held the, the traditions of his culture. The traditions of his family were important. And, you know, he, he did his best to live in that. He did his best to live up to that standard. See, he's like, yeah, I guess you and me, many of us. Life is pretty much okay. Things are looking good. And then he's hit with a double whammy of news. Bang! His fiance comes to him and says, expecting a baby. Can you imagine how Joseph feels in that moment? He's been faithful to his culture. He's not slept with, with his fiancée before they've consummated the marriage in accordance with their tradition and their law. He knows this baby can't be his. So whose is it? Mary must have slept with someone else. She's been unfaithful. She's been unfaithful and slept with someone else. Oh my goodness. My whole life has just been turned up and down. This whole life that I was really looking forward to. To be starting a family with this wonderful woman. She's, she's pregnant by someone else. Not only does that reflect badly on me, it reflects badly on my whole family. It reflects badly on her family. There's a huge amount of shame involved in this. And so, Joseph says, he considers, he says, what's the right thing to do? What, do I, what have I got to do? Because he's faithful to the law. He knows that he, he, he has to put her away. Because she will bring shame on him and his family. It will be shameful to take someone else's child. And so he thinks, I've got to, I've got to do what the law says. But he's compassionate, isn't he? He wants, he wants to do the right thing in accordance to his culture and upbringing. To what he thinks the law of God says. He wants to do the right thing. But also at the moment, he's, in the moment he's compassionate because he does, obviously he's loved Mary. And he doesn't want to shame her. He doesn't want to bring dishonor on her, it says. So he thinks, I'll, I'll divorce her quietly. But we won't make a big thing of it. We just, we'll just go our separate ways. I'll formally, formally announce through the, through the legal system of what we have to do to be separated again so that we don't have this shame on our family. I don't have this shame. We'll do it quietly so it doesn't dishonor her. <clears throat> and then comes this... And this news is the second double whammy is that she comes and says, yes, we're having a baby, but it's okay. I haven't been unfaithful to you. I haven't been unfaithful to you because this is a miracle child. In the Gospels, we see an angel comes to Mary and says, you are going to carry the son of God. The Holy Spirit will come on you and you'll be pregnant with a child, but this will be the son of God. It'll be completely different. So poor Joseph... Not only does he think his wife's been unfaithful, he now thinks she's completely mad, completely deluded. Come on, you expect me to believe this? We know how babies are made. A man and a woman come together, they make a baby. And you're telling me this? 
I mean, Mary must have had real faith, mustn't she, to come to Joseph and even say that in the beginning. Poor Joseph is struck with this news. My fiance, gosh, she's been unfaithful and she's also deluded. She's also deluded. Poor guy. How does he do that? You know, he's grappling and wrestling with what to do. How do I respond to this? I want to do the right thing. When we hear news of all sorts of kinds, we're in that same situation, aren't we? I want to do the right thing, but what is the right thing? How can I do it without bringing shame? And while he's considering this, while he's thinking, what's the best course of action to do? What, would, what does my culture see? How do I respond to this news? He's thinking, I've got to respond by separating from this woman. He has a dream. And in this dream, God sends a messenger to him, an angel. And what does he say? He says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What she's saying to you is not a delusion. She's not mad. It truly is from God. This, this news that Mary brought for you is actually true. And she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. In this story, when the angel, when Mary comes to Joseph and says, have I got news for you? I'm pregnant with the son of God. How does Joseph respond? Initially, he thinks, I'm, I've got to do the right thing in accordance with my culture and my background. But then God breaks in and speaks to him. God breaks in and speaks to him through a dream. But God speaks direct words to him and says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Even though there may be ramifications of what the family think and the family might say, do not be afraid to take Mary and, and take this family as your own. Because truly, it is the Son of God. And truly, Mary will give birth to this baby. And truly, this baby is going to be the one who will save people from their sins. This is the promised Savior, the Messiah. That the law that you have been brought up in, the culture you've been brought up in, is pointing to. He's the one. And God even tells him the name that he's got to give to this son. Which again is just against all the tradition of his family background and cultural background. Because the family would name their sons. But God said, no, you are to name him Jesus. God spoke to Joseph. And what do we see happen? Joseph obeys what God says. He, he, he considered what the right thing to do was, according to his background, his history, his culture, the laws of his people, the culture of his family, how they might respond. He said, I've considered this. This is the, this is the thing to do. But then God speaks and he does what God says. So building faith and being faithful is thinking, okay, 
I might think this is the right thing. But what does God say? What does God say about this situation? What does God say about what I should believe in? What does God say about how I should live? I might, I might think it's okay to just live with someone and then when I get tired of them, to put them aside. When I fall out of love with them, I, I choose to put them aside. But does God say that? God spoke to Joseph and said, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. God says sex, the beauty of sex, is to be lived out in the sacred rite of marriage. That's where it's to be. So, you know, young people today, those of you who are here this morning, those of you watching on Zoom, I, I really feel for you because you're surrounded by so many different voices that will tell you how to live your life, how to have a relationship with somebody. Also, what your identity can be like. Now, there's so much stuff out there that's going to challenge you. It's going to challenge you about what people say you are and who you are. Allowing you to maybe think, well, I'm not sure who I am. I, I don't know. I can, I can be anything I want to be. There's so many messages out there. And we need to be more and more looking to what God says. What does God say about my identity? You know, some of us have been bro brought up in family situations where we have been demeaned at every opportunity where maybe there have been siblings in our family who've, who've had higher regard because of their gender. They've been, they've, they've, been, they've been left out of things. They've been challenged by things because of the background of the family they've been brought up in. They've been told, you're not worth anything, either because you're not clever enough, you're not sporty enough, you are female, not male, I wanted a son, what am I doing with this daughter? And we've been brought up in that family background that tells us who we are, or been trying to tell us who we are. And so when we hear news, when we face difficulties, when we face challenges, when people come to us with things, we respond in the same way, I am worthless, I'm pointless. But God doesn't say that. God says, you are so loved. You are worthy of me sending my son into the world to die for you. You are so loved by the Father in heaven. That's your identity. God's, God, the Bible says God made male and female. Who are we to change what male and female is like? We also have to be, we also have to be aware that our cultures can, can shape what we think a male and a female look like and how they should behave. Doesn't it? We have cultural expectations which are not necessarily what God says. And we need to come back to what God says about male and female. This could, could be the biggest challenge, I think, of church in the next few years. Is this whole thing of identity. And so, young people, you need to be really listening to what God says. Parents, I really feel for you. You're bringing your children up in a world that is giving out all sorts of mixed messages. 
And for you, you need to be listening to what God says. You need to be hearing and considering and thinking, well, yeah, the, the, the world might say this. My culture might say this, but, and, and, and I'll be ostracized, I'll be cut off, I'll be ridiculed if I do what God says. But God said to Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your, as your wife. Don't be afraid to listen and read what God says. Don't be afraid to, to, to say, no, this is what I believe God says. So I am going to act in this way. I am going to do this and I am going to stand on it. We need to be people who build faith and be faithful to what God says. In our area of business and work life and our personal relationships, who are we listening to? Are we listening to the rumour mills, the backbiting and gossip that tears people down? Or are we listening to what God says when he says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honour, not ridicule and cynicism. <clears throat> Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Let's rejoice in the good news that Jesus has come. That we have a future to look forward to in relationship with him, free from the guilt and burden of sin. Be patient in tribulation. So don't try and force things unnecessarily. Don't let your anger overspill when time, times are difficult and times are hard. But be patient. The Bible says elsewhere, let the God of endurance and patience bless you and build you up. Be constant in prayer. A great way that we hear from God is be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honourable in the sight of all. Give thought to what God says. Give thought to what God says about that person. In your workplace, give thought to what God says about that person in your family. Give thought to what God says about your neighbours and your friends. Those who, actually, maybe you're, those who you're having difficult relationships with. Give thought to what God says about them. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. But by doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's be listening to what God says about how we should respond to people and situations. It's not easy. It's not the right way to respond, is it? You know, if someone's been mean to you. Someone's done. Someone said this to you. Punch them. Hit them. You know, get your own back. Don't stand for this. But sometimes God says to us, no, be patient in tribulation. Bless those who persecute you. So hard to do. 
But we need to consider it. We need to be building faith that what God says is the right thing. Joseph was thinking, what is the right thing to do? But he ended up doing what the God thing was to do. And we need to be in that same position. We need to be building faith in God, trusting what he says. And we do that through reading his Bible. We do that through sharing stories together, building faith about what God has done for us. And I think finally, the big, I think a big point for us is what's our view of the church and who are we listening to? Joseph wanted to put Mary aside because in his consideration, she was no longer the perfect bride. She'd been marred. She'd been tainted. And so often, that's how the church can be seen, can't it? That's how the church is presented. Even Christians can say, I don't want to be part of a church. Because look at it. It's not perfect, is it? It doesn't meet my expectations of what the perfect church should be. But God said to Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your bride. Don't look to the external things the culture might say and say, look, she's flawed, she's marred. But look at what she carries. Mary carries the Son of God. So don't be afraid to align yourself with her. Don't be afraid to take her as your bride. And God says the same to us. Yes, the church is not perfect. I am not perfect. <laughs> you are not perfect. We know that. But that should not stop us from being aligned to the church because you know what the Bible tells us? The church is where the presence of God lives. I'm not talking about the building. I'm not talking about geographical locations. But the people of God, the church, the gathered people together, that's where God's presence is. God, because of Jesus, now lives in us by his Holy Spirit. He's given us his Holy Spirit that will lead us into all truth, that will help us build faith in what God has said, who will help us be faithful. And that's found in the church. So let's not be afraid of aligning ourselves with the church. When people ridicule it and when people talk about it in our workplaces, in our situations, we know that that's the view people will have. But let us not, we don't necessarily need to defend the church, but what we need to say is the church is where God is. Church is where the forgiveness of sins is found through the person of Jesus. The good news that I've got for you. You can come and build your faith in the church because that's where God's presence will be. You can come and find forgiveness where you've made all these wrong judgments and wrong decisions. You can come and find healing because Jesus brings healing by the Spirit. You can find healing from all those past hurts that have led you to leave the life where you're living, the way you respond because you've been conditioned through culture and experience and differences. God says you can come and be set free from that to follow God in the church because that's where my presence is. You can find love and healing. But so often people don't find that, do they, when they come to the church? Because sometimes our pride in us gets in the way. And we can become judgmental. We can become, actually, no, you, you can't find that here. It's just not there. 
But God says to us, no, it is. The presence of God. God's son was in Jesus. It was, it was, God's son was in Mary. And he was, going to be, he was going to be born, bringing reconciliation to the world. So how are you building faith? How are you being faithful? Are you listening to God? Are you committing to the, the teaching of a local church where you can find forgiveness, direction, growth, health, help? Or are you standing on the outside thinking, I know better. I know better. My, the society knows better. This is the way we've got to live. God wants to catch you up in his big story as he caught this couple up in his story, an ordinary couple who were looking to have a, a, a comfortable life together with plans they'd made. God caught them up in their story with something outstanding, a new way of living, a new way of relating to God. God with us. God living with us. God coming into your family. What an amazing, amazing news. And that's the news that God says that we repeat and focus on every Christmas. But it's true every day. God has come into your life. God wants to catch you up in his big story. God wants to help you build faith in him. God wants to help you be faithful to what he has to say. God wants to help you find forgiveness from sin and health and healing and life. That's found through Jesus, the presence of God. It's found in the presence of God in the church. So let's be building faith again. Let's be those who listen to what God says. Let us be those who ask the Holy Spirit to help us and lead us. You know, Joseph listened to God, didn't he? And we want to be a people who do the same. I've mentioned some things in there that we need to maybe listening to God on. But there may be other things that you know you need to, to obey God in. You know there have been situations where you just think, I've not obeyed God. I've gone against him. And he would just say, come back. You find forgiveness. My mercies, the Bible says, are new every morning, God says. You can find forgiveness again the way you've rebelled and away from me. You can find forgiveness. You can find healing. Come and repent. Say you're sorry and come back to God. Let's just stand together. So the band's going to come up and play. <laughs> but as I said, there may be things that you feel that you have been disobedient to God in. And God wants to remind you again. God wants to speak to us again of his word, his right way of doing things. And God wants to help us today be faithful. He wants to come by his Holy Spirit. Joseph had a dream where a messenger came to him. Maybe you've had a messenger come to you. Might have been in a dream. It might be why you've been speaking, you feel God's given you a picture for yourself. Or maybe for someone else. For someone else, we'd love to encourage you to share that. To bring that obedience to God. To build faith in what, who God is and what he says. And to help us be faithful. So Holy Spirit, we want to be open to you. Challenge us, Holy Spirit, with, with the word of God. Challenge us, Holy Spirit, with what God says about how we live. Who we put our trust in. 
Help us, Holy Spirit, to build our faith in Jesus. To see that he is the way to God. To see that he is the way to salvation. To see that only through his blood, belief in his blood and his death and his resurrection, can we really have faith in God. Help us to build faith in Jesus and on him. And help us, Holy Spirit, to be faithful. Help us to face all the challenges and news and difficult situations and maybe persecutions we may face because of what we believe and where we stand. Help us to stand in them. Help us to be faithful in them. And help us to be faithful in living those out, Lord Jesus. Lord, you know our hearts. You know what we need. You know what we need.